Hi, everybody. Brian Sussman here with the Earth Day Special 2021. Sorry, I'm a little late to the microphone. I was driving my gigantic truck that consumes lots of gasoline from the High Sierra and my heated home in the High Sierra. Heated, I say, because (laughs) it's rather cold up there. To my heated home along the coast in California. I say heated home along the coast because it's been really, really cold. Whatever happened to global warming? Did you know that this day, April 22nd, is actually, well, Earth Day was put forward on April 22nd, 1970 for a reason. This is a communist holiday. We'll talk about that. Did you know that CO2, evil carbon dioxide, is actually life-giving? It's necessary for life. It's part of a cycle as well. It's called the carbon cycle. Did you know that the temperature of the atmosphere of the Earth has warmed and cooled many times before? It's been a lot hotter than it is today and a lot colder as well. Did you know that hurricanes, well, there are no more hurricanes. In fact, we're at a lull with hurricanes. We'll talk about that. Oh, we've got so much to cover and so little time. It's Brian Sussman, Hidden Headlines, Faith, Family, Freedom, the Earth Day Special. husband here, the Earth Day special. Thanks for joining me. For those of you who don't know my background, uh, for the last 20 years, I was on a great conservative radio station in San Francisco, KSFO. I was the morning host. But prior to that, I did 20 years in television as a TV meteorologist. So when it comes to weather and the atmosphere, I know a little something. I also wrote two books. One was a bona fide national bestseller. It was top 10 Amazon of all books, not just for science books, all books for about a month, top 10. Never made it to the New York Times bestseller list. My goodness, why? Well, the climate, uh, the, the title will tell it all. Climategate, a veteran meteorologist exposes the global warming scam. Then two years later, that was in 2010, two years later in 2012, I wrote Eco-Tyranny, how the left's green agenda will dismantle America. So let's, let's go ahead and talk, first of all, about this particular date. This is April 20th, 1970. And on this date, April 22nd, did I say April 20th? I meant to say April 22nd. April 22nd, 1970, we had a trio of radical dreamers rolling out the very first Earth Day. Some of you weren't even around back then. Some of you might have been hippy-dippies and thought it was really cool, man. Earth Day. And some of you, eh, let's just see. Well, their hope, these dreamers, their hope was that the well-planned nationwide event, and this was a very well-organized rollout, I must say, would effectively assault capitalism, would eventually go after and ruin free markets, and alter the way in which humans live. And if I may say so myself, they've done a pretty good job, haven't they? The initial concept was conceived by a guy from Wisconsin. He was a Democratic senator, Gaylord Nelson, 
Um, I would call him basically hmm, kind of a Barbara Boxer in drag. Barbara ba- Boxer was a fiery environmentalist senator from California. She's since moved on. Well, she moved on in order to give someone named Kamala Harris a shot at becoming a senator so Kamala Harris could be in place to uh, become vice president someday. That happened in quick order. But nonetheless, it was Senator Gaylord Nelson, first environmental activist at the national level. Seriously. I mean, in terms of an elected official, he was the first. And he was the mastermind behind something that was going on in the 60s and 70s called teach-ins. Teach-ins. The teach-ins occurred in public schools, and you had mutinous, hippy-dippy school teachers scrapping the day's assigned curriculum pressuring their students to sit cross-legged on the floor and rap, that's what they called it, rap, talk, rap, about how America was an imperialist nation. And then they would converse about why communism really wasn't such a bad form of government. It just needed to be implemented properly. His teaching efforts were also aided, I should say, by a young man named Dennis Hayes. Dennis Hayes. Hayes was formerly the student body president at Stanford University. And he was well known for organizing anti-Vietnam War protests in the San Francisco Bay Area and beyond. So Hayes, Dennis Hayes, heard about Senator Nelson's teach-in concept and thought, that is really cool, man. And he would eventually help Nelson institute the teach-in practice nationwide and get involved with the formation of the first Earth Day. Now, rounding out this troika was Professor Paul Ehrlich. He was also from Stanford. You don't hear much about Paul anymore these days, but I can tell you something. In the 60s and 70s, this dude got a lot of press. He authored a Malthusian missive, as I like to refer to it, This was 1968, called The Population Bomb. This was required reading in a lot of high schools in the 70s, The Population Bomb. And in this Population Bomb, he infamously spouted wild allegations that included equating the Earth's supposed surplus of people with a cancer that needs to be eradicated. In other words... Ehrlich believed, and still does, that there are too many people on the planet. And something needed to be done. My guess is Ehrlich Ehrlich had a very, very strong influence on people like Bill Gates. Because Bill Gates has made some wild statements regarding the Earth's population. I believe Bill Gates is from that camp that believes the, the adequate number. The ideal number of people on the planet would be about 600 million. We have 7 billion right now. 600 million. And I've asked these environmentalists over the years, so, okay, how do we get there? I mean, what do we have to do? Do we we kill people? Uh, Do we separate, you know, radical conservatives from the rest and get rid of those? How do we do this? How do we get to 600 million? Would it have to be a global pandemic, I used to argue? Dennis Hayes was the guy, excuse me, Paul Ehrlich in the population bomb said this. Are you ready? 
a cancer is in that 1968 he said this a cancer is an uncontrollable multiplication of cells the population explosion is an uncontrolled multiplication of people we must shift our efforts from treatment of the symptoms to the cutting out of the cancer the operation will demand many apparently brutal and heartless decisions. This was Ehrlich in 68. I dadgum betcha that people like Gates lap this stuff up. Now, again, what are you going to do? I mean, if there's an operation that must be completed, that will be brutal and heartless, how, how do you do that? How do you reduce the number of the people on the planet? Well, that's why some of us you know, call this pandemic a plandemic. So that was 68. In 69, that was, that was quite a year. 1969 was quite a year for the environmentalists. This was a, a burgeoning young group of people that were rallying their cause. And things happened in their favor. There was an oil, fill off, uh, oil spill off the Santa Barbara coast. A much-hyped oil spill along the Santa Barbara coast. Now, for those of you who have ever been along the beaches in Santa Barbara, there is tar everywhere. Tar balls are everywhere, right? For those of you who have seen it, they're everywhere. That's because right offshore, oil is literally, literally seeping from the ocean floor. It's seeping up from the ocean floor. There's so much oil offshore in Santa Barbara, it's seeping up. So when there was this spill, everyone went absolutely nuts. So there was the hyped-up oil spill, Santa Barbara coast. Then there was an overblown patch of fire on Cleveland's Cuyahoga River. I mean, really, it was... <laughs> in fact, all of the photographs that were being used to hype this patch of fire on Cleveland's Cuyahoga, which admittedly was a pretty filthy river back in the day. It really it was. It really was. But there was this overblown patch of fire it it was put out before photographers could even get there so they used photographs from a fire a year or two before in order to sell the fact that oh the Cuyahoga River oh the Santa Barbara coast and of course 69 was also the year of the Woodstock Music and Art Fair and uh, the drug-induced vibes that came out of that. Now, listen, I've, some of that music was actually pretty good. I'm just telling you. But, but this was the hippie, dippy, free sex, everyone smokes dope culture that had now been turned on, man, to the environment. So Nelson meets with Ehrlich and said this. They're, they're looking at this big gathering of people at Woodstock. They're thinking about the Santa Barbara coast and the Cleveland fire. And Nelson reportedly said this, my God, why not a national teach-in on the environment? So Hayes was brought in, Dennis Hayes from formerly from Stanford, to pray, play a pivotal role with organization and implementation because that's what he did. He was really good at organizing and implementing. And after careful consideration, they decided on a name, Earth Day. From a marketing standpoint, that is a great name. And then 
Okay, what's going to be the date? They chose a date. April 22nd, 1970. That was the kickoff, the inaugural. April 22nd, 1970 was, are you ready for this? Russian dictator Vladimir Lenin's centennial. This was no accident. Environmentalists have always admired Lenin, by the way. Uh, Vladimir Lenin was the first disciple of Karl Marx to capture control of a country. I mean, that's, if you're a communist, that's a pretty big deal. And he was also the opening act of a seven-year reign that commenced with the abolition of all private property, which is also a Marxist priority. So, Lenin was doing everything that he had learned on paper from Karl Marx. Now, despite overseeing a bloody civil war and a devastated economy and a citizenry in Russia without hope, Lenin made it a priority to implement his signature decree, which was called On Land. So the economy shot. People are without hope. They had a bloody civil war. And he comes out with something called On Land. I've read it. It's a rather lengthy, boring decree. But man, in this extensive essay, he declares that all forests, all waters, and all minerals are the exclusive property of the state. And he demanded these resources be protected from use by the public and private enterprise. In other words... No one in the public, no one in private enterprise would be allowed to ever touch the forest, the water, and the minerals. So selling timber or even firewood or mining minerals or diverting water for farming. No, 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 no. Now, Nelson and Ehrlich were already known as non-traditional crackpots, but Hayes was really all that more. In a New York Times article that was published the morning after the first Earth Day, which, by the way, was headlined, Angry Coordinator of Earth Day, the young Hayes was bragging about the fact that five years earlier, five years earlier, 1965, he fled overseas because, quote, I had to get away from America. Hayes was so committed to his anti-capitalist cause that he made sure that this new organization that he created, Earth Day, didn't even have bumper stickers. And he told the New York Times this, you want to know why? Because they go on automobiles. And of course, what do automobiles do? They burn gas. And burning gas, of course, equates with CO2. And he was kind of ahead of his time because he was saying CO2 was a pollutant, which it's not. It's a life-giving gas. Earth Day has never, ever, ever, ever been a celebration of the beauty and bounty of this awesome terrestrial ball. Instead, it's always been an assault on humankind. During the first decade of Earth Day observances, for some of you who remember back in the day, people were proclaimed the polluter. It's you. And the pollution that was really talked about in the first Earth Days was trash. And I'm not for trash. People need to pack their trash. I get it. But see, these people were doing this 
very, very patiently. First, it'll be trash. Then in the 80s, we'll talk about the trees. Mankind is the tree killer. Then in the 90s, we'll go to animal species. Yes, animal species dying because of humans. The global warming scare, by the way, really never became popular. It was never a part of Earth Day till later in the 90s. In fact, it really wasn't that popular until Al Gore came along. And when it did, it provided the compatriots of Earth Day and their headquarters with the ultimate hook to hang their little red communist berets. Humans, especially Americans, were now devastating the entire planet's climate. Climate change. So, of course, today, rather than joining in with the Marxist falderod designed to hammer the hammer American American values away and, and turn us more like uh, Mother Russia or China than anything else, on this particular day, every year, I give thanks to God. I give thanks to God for our nation's abundant resources. And I pray that this outlandish green agenda that is now on hyperdrive with the Biden administration will be seen for what it is, an absolute fraud. By the way, much of what you just heard is from an article that's posted at briansussman.com. It was also posted today, April 22nd at World Net Daily. And quite frankly, a, a lot of the copy in that article comes from my book, ClimateGate. Let me go to the book, ClimateGate, right now. Uh, I realize this is a 2010 book, but all these stat stats that I'm about to share with you still live today, haven't changed at all. First of all, carbon dioxide, without it, we can't live. There's the carbon cycle. Without carbon dioxide, we cannot live. Let me give you some stats. I'm going to give you the bada bing, bada bang, bada boom. Carbon dioxide, carbon, carbon dioxide comprises 0.038% of the Earth's atmosphere. I'm going to repeat that because I think I just heard a little buzzing in the background. Carbon dioxide comprises 0.038%, not 0.38%, 0.038% of the Earth's atmosphere. And of that amount, are you ready? Of that amount, 3% is generated by mankind. So the amount of carbon dioxide that humans put in the atmosphere is, you can't even calculate it. It's 3% of 0.038. Are you with me? Next. Carbon dioxide emissions created by human activity account for 0.116% of the greenhouse effect because the environmentalists will tell you the carbon dioxide being spewed into the atmosphere by cars, planes, trains, factories, etc. Uh, are raising the temperature of the earth. They're, they're artificially exacerbating the greenhouse effect. The carbon dioxide emissions created by human activity accounts for 0.116% of the greenhouse effect. Okay, here's the next one. Since the end of the Little Ice Age, 
And we've, we've had an ice age way back in the day, and then we had little ice age 150 years ago, and it was just downright cold. The amount of carbon dioxide has increased 35% well within historical norms. Now, what, has, what else has happened uh, during those 150 years? So we're, we're getting out of the little ice age. Temperature is naturally warming. What else happened? in the last 150 years. We've gone from a population on the planet of a billion to seven billion. The Industrial Revolution fired up. So we've got you know factories, we've got cars, we've got planes, we've got trucks, we've got huge housing complex heat, complexes heated by natural gas. What has happened during that time period? Carbon dioxide has increased 35%. That's it. That's it. And by the way, those percentages I gave you account for that 35%. So CO2 comprises 0.038% of the Earth's atmosphere. <laughs> 3% generated by mankind. I mean, it, it, it's nothing. It's nothing. And the temperature's been warming ever since we got out of a little ice age. The warmest decade on record is the 1930s. Most of the states in the United States of America set their all-time high temperature record in the 1930s. Did you know that? No, nobody will tell you that. <laughs> so, and then if you look at the most reliable weather temperature stations in the world, which are in the United States, the most reliable ones going back as far as we have temperature records. So the oldest temperature records are in the United States. Uh, Europe could have had older ones, but with wars and all of the stuff that they've gone through, they don't. We have, we have the most reliable temperature recording sites in the United States. And these temperature recording sites illustrate one thing that's going to blow your mind. Uh, since the 1970s, the temperature has been going down. I'm just saying I'm just saying the temperature has been going down since the 1970s at the most reliable sites. Most of the temperature recording stations in the United States and the world were in place in the 80s and 90s. And some of these are, oh, conveniently, <laughs> conveniently next to tarmacs <laughs> in downtowns that have an urban heat island effect. So these are the things that you need to know about. Let's continue as long as you want to go down this road. Uh, we've talked about the temperature record. I'll give you a, a summary of temperature in the United States of America. Are you ready for this? Commencing with the end of the Ice Age to approximately 900 AD, the Earth stumbled out of its deep freeze. So we were just kind of getting back to livability after the Ice Age to 900 AD. Because, I mean, it was that was a cold, cold, cold period of time. At the peak of the medieval warm period, it warmed from about 900 to 1300 AD, best estimates suggest that the temperature rose slightly more than 2 degrees Fahrenheit, 2 degrees Fahrenheit warmer than today. Uh, that's when, and you can, you can look for yourself in, um, you can see the tree lines in Europe. Uh, you'll notice that, wow, holy mackerel, you can see the tree lines were much higher at one time. What happened? Well, it was the medieval warm period, and then things started to cool down. I mean, the wine grapes that were grown in regions of Europe and the British Isles where you could never grow wine today is incredible. That happened during the medieval warm period. 
Then there was a little ice age from 1350 to 1800. The warmth of the medieval warm period was wiped out. Temperatures at one point fell two degrees cooler than today. You probably uh, heard about ice skating on the Thames River and, and all of the wonderful fairs that occurred on the Thames River in London. Can't do that anymore. That was the Little Ice Age. Following the Little Ice Age, which again ended about 1800, there was a stabilization that lasted about 50 years. Between 1850 and 1940, temperatures increased about one degree Fahrenheit. We're out of the Little Ice Age. Temperature naturally warms. From 1940 to 1970, the Earth cooled. The Earth cooled about 0.18 degrees Fahrenheit. It just cooled between 1940 and 1930. 1930, as I mentioned, hottest temperatures recorded. 1940 to 1970, we cooled down. Between 1970 and 1998, we had a warming, a mere warming of 0.34 degrees Fahrenheit. Where am I going with all this? The bottom line is... If you look at how much things have warmed since the Industrial Revolution, since we got out of the Little Ice Age about 150 years ago, it's one degree Fahrenheit. It is one degree Fahrenheit. Folks, I'm just saying, there is nothing, nothing to get worried about. There's nothing to freak out about. God is in control. Now, what about hurricanes? My gosh, if you were to count the hurricanes, and it's all available online, although I will tell you something. It's really interesting. Uh, during the Obama administration, this stuff started getting scrapped. It started getting scoured. And now I've checked some of the resources I tried to, uh, that I used when I wrote my book in 2010 and 2012. I tried to go online to find those same links. It's just hard to find this stuff. But I will tell you, in terms of hurricanes... Dr. William Gray, the world's most famous hurricane forecaster. This is a guy that did not believe in man-caused global warming. He became a good friend of mine later. He's now gone. But here's what he said. He said, this is before he died, he said, all of my colleagues have been around for a long time, and I think if you go and ask the last four or five directors of the National Hurricane Center, we don't think there is human-induced global warming. In fact, Dr. Neil Frank, who directed the Hurricane Center for a long time, told the Washington Post, quote, it's a hoax. It's a hoax. <laughs> and then you add to that the, the founder of the Weather Channel, the founder of the Weather Channel. <laughs> he also believed it's a hoax. John Coleman was his name, another friend of mine. So folks, please, please, uh, as some would say, don't get your panties in a wad over this. This is just, or is, that, is that too weirdly graphic in some sort of way? Don't worry about things. God is in control. But in the meantime, the left will continue to use the environment. Oh my gosh, what a brilliant PR plan. And PR, I'm talking about public relations. I'm talking about propaganda. They'll use it to, as I mentioned earlier, they will use it just like the guys in the first Earth Day. They will use it to hammer humanity. They will use it to hammer and destroy capitalism, if at all possible. 
They will use it to upend free economies. We can't let them do it. Especially since the facts are on our side. Brian Sussman. Hidden headlines. Faith, family, freedom. Thanks for joining me, my friends. My website is briansussman.com. And again, the titles of my books. Uh, Climate Gate, a veteran meteorologist exposes the global warming scam. And Eco-Tyranny, how the left's green agenda will dismantle America. God bless you. And God have mercy on the United States of America. Until next time.